Welcome to another informative episode of Alberta Doctors Digest, brought to you by the Alberta Medical Association. You've tuned in to one of the many stories from our online publication at add.albertadoctors.org. Alberta Doctors Digest is the authoritative voice of healthcare in Alberta. We're the flagship source of information and opinion of the Alberta Medical Association, advancing patient-centered quality care by advocating for and supporting physician leadership and wellness. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alberta Doctors Digest podcast brought to you by the Alberta Medical Association. As always, I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Marvin Polis. According to Dr. Heidi Fell, the chair of the AMA Informatics Committee, we seem to be reaching a tipping point where organized medicine, funders, regulators, and patients are all coming to agreement that an integrated patient record is a necessity. Indeed, there are major initiatives underway that will push towards this, some of which are being put in place right now. The three biggest initiatives currently underway are the Community Information Integration Central Patient Attachment Registry, My Health Records Personal Health Portal, and Connect Care. Together, they will enhance the care that patients receive in Alberta by providing improved informational continuity. Clearly, at least one of these initiatives will affect almost every doctor in the province. So in this special podcast episode of Alberta Doctors Digest, we're going to forego our usual interview format and bring you Dr. Fell's full presentation on informatics from the fall 2018 Alberta Medical Association Annual General Meeting and Representative Forum. Here she is now. So thanks for the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, Kim Waringa from Alberta Health was going to uh, join me, but unfortunately was unable to at the last minute. So lucky you, you get to hear me talk for a lot longer. Uh, We will have plenty of time and there will be lots of times for questions uh, at the end. Also, before I start, I'd like to really thank uh, Vic Taylor from staff for his assistance in preparing this and for his ongoing work and advice in this area. So thanks, Vic. As I'm sure has become evident to you already today from the number of places that informatics has come up in our agenda already, we're experiencing a period of profound change both in medicine but also in informatics. And one of the key things that I've taken away from today is that there's still a tendency to look at this as informatics issues when really many of these are actually care transformation issues and the informatics just play a part as a tool in the process. Necessary tool, but nevertheless just a tool. So hopefully today I'm going to leave you with a bit of an idea of what the AMA is working on, uh, what we, which pies we already have our fingers in and uh, where we need additional assistance from you guys. So today I'm going to give you some background information. I'd like to highlight some key developments and implications uh, for the profession, receive your input advice, address any questions and concerns for you, and hopefully leave you reassured that not only is the AMA working hard on your behalf in these areas, but is well positioned to respond appropriately to these uh, challenges. For background, there's a few pieces here, but the first one is the board has identified informatics as one of the key priorities for the board, and that is because of the implications that it has for members, patients, and the health system as a whole. Uh, So it is one of those overarching themes that affects lots of different things that we're working on, and so your board has identified it as a priority. Uh, The second thing is the Provincial Health Information Strategy. This is a document created by Alberta Health, and uh, I've borrowed a couple of Kim's slides here to 
still give you the background. Uh, but it has a vision where the patient and the personal health record that the patient has access to are the center of the information systems. And they're surrounded by an Alberta NetCare provincial EHR. I'll talk about that a bit more later on, as well as the Alberta Health Services CIS, which is Connect Care. You might also hear about Epic. Epic is the company that makes the software that Connect Care is built on. Okay? Uh, our community EMRs as well, and then surrounded by legislation, secondary use, all the other things that impact on this agenda. Uh, this slide shows the Alberta House vision as to what that system might look like from a little bit different perspective. And so you can see here that that personal health record becomes very prominent again. And that personal health record is uh, supposed to be launching imminently within the next few months. And so you can expect to hear a lot more about that coming from uh, the ministry. Alberta NetCare is also part and parcel with that. And you'll notice down the side that there are many different uh, people that contribute to and use the Alberta NetCare environment. Uh, the provincial CIS is down on the bottom. And pardon me, I've got to put my glasses on so I can see my own notes. I'm getting old. <laughs> There's also pharmacy record systems and the physician records too. So all of those pieces, there's a substantial number of pieces that play a role. Now there's four pillars to this health information strategy. Uh, one is the provincial CIS or Connect Care. The other one is integrating community healthcare information into that system. And Jane, I'm going to borrow your uh, saying and it's forever more, so we can avoid disconnect care. Uh, the third is continuing to evolve Alberta NetCare and that shared environment that we can all participate in and including the patient having access to that information. And the fourth is secondary use of health information, so analytics, um, providing reporting, uh, looking at population health, all that sort of thing. That is all underpinned by a number of components that uh, we need to have in place to support those systems. Now, one of, some of the work that the AMA has done is earlier this year, you may remember a president's letter from Neil that talked about the AMA policy on health informatics. And this is a piece of work that we did in order to help guide us and give us a policy-based framework for working in this area, sorry, a principle-based framework for working in this area. And it is aligned with those same four pillars of the provincial health information system, uh, just to ensure that we're trying to, everybody's, pulling in the same direction to try and accomplish this. Uh, following that, we also came out with a one-page document about informational continuity uh, being really the crux of our thrust in these things. And there's four, there were four priorities identified in that document uh, in terms of creating continuity between uh, community physicians and a more centralized system being net care at the moment. So care plans, specialist consults, admission and discharge notifications and ER reports into net care. Uh, now some of these you may recognize as past RF motions, specifically the one around specialty consults and ER reports into net care. Uh, I will, I'll give you more information on the first three as when I talk about the CPAR-CII project as those have all been folded into that project. The fourth one, getting emergency reports into NetCare, 
Um, we did do an extensive analysis, and unfortunately, that is not feasible in the pre-Connect Care world. So that will occur once Connect Care is fully rolled out, but for a variety of logistical and resource reasons, um, the emergency reports into Net Care is not something we're able to accomplish before Connect Care rolls out. Uh, next piece of background is there was a president's letter that came out in August, and this identified uh, three key areas of work. We're working on the CPAR-CII, which again I'll speak to more, uh, Connect Care, which I will speak to more as well, and the key challenge of integrating all these pieces together into one functioning integrated patient record. And then the last piece of background that I wanted to give you was around the AMA representation. The other thing we've been working on is ensuring that we have appropriate representation at all of the different committees that make decisions around these things. And so we have, we have representatives at the Health Information Executive Committee, Continuity of Care Leaders Group, CPAR-CAI Steering Committee, Connect Care Information uh, Stewardship Committee, uh, and a number of other committees where we have people that have input into these and people that can then come back and keep the AM up, up to date and work together with us to ensure that we get uh, the AMA and therefore the members and patients agenda on, on uh, everybody's radar. So to help frame these a little bit, I'm going to talk in terms of time frames. So what's happening right now or in the very short term What's happening in the midterm, you know, if we look three to five years out, and longer term future, maybe 10 years. Now, a lot of this technology can become disruptive, and things that we think are in the future can become immediate very quickly. So just keep in mind that there's a lot of overlap between these categories as I, as I, as I talk about them. So for the immediate developments, um, one of the things that we've been doing, and again you'll recognize this as a prior RF motion, is that we have developed the EMR Vendor Strategy Steering Committee. Uh, that is chaired by the AMA, but is also supported uh, by Alberta Health and Alberta Health Services and has our major vendors at the table. Uh, all, th all three of our major vendors, which are MicroQuest, TELUS, and QHR, are now at the table with us. And this gives us a place where we can look at the issues that occur kind of in the gaps between Connect Care and the community EMRs, and also the things that occur on a provincial basis, but that the EMR vendors don't really have a mechanism to understand otherwise, or we don't have a mechanism to tell them what we would like done on a provincial level. And one of the things that the EMR vendors have struggled with is that they get, I'll use PCNs as an example, uh, for the measurement requirements that PCNs get, they will get a slightly different request from every single PCN in the province as to how to, to do something. And they just, they find this to be a difficult to manage process, so we're helping that we can provide some coordination for, for those sorts of things that will benefit both us and the vendors. Now, as you know, we don't have contractual relationships with the vendors anymore. Those have gone away since the days of POSP. So this, at this point, uh, has to be done through a collaborative leadership model. Uh, we don't have any carrots or sticks for the vendors. Um, we just have to work on this as a collaboration. Uh, but some of the things that we've been able to work on is um, 
I don't know if you guys know, but ConnectCare is actually going to replace all of the laboratory information systems in the province. And in November 2019, the Edmonton Laboratory Information System, um, DynaLife, is one, one of the things going live in November 2019. What that means is that the lab delivery of the results that you get into your EMRs would go away unless we had the EMR vendors conform to this new standard being sent to by ConnectCare. And this is an example of something that would have gotten on the radar eventually of Alberta Health Services and Alberta Health, but we were able to bring it to the forefront much sooner because the vendors need a certain amount of lead time to be able to do the development, testing, and deployment uh, of these solutions so that you continue to get your lab results and DI results and things like that delivered to your community EMRs. Uh, so that's one of the things we've been able to do and get uh, the vendors and AHS and Alberta Health on side too all working together much sooner than would have happened otherwise to help ensure that things go much more smoothly when suddenly all of the lab results from Red Deer North that uh, go to the referral laboratory uh, switch where they're coming from. Uh, so e-delivery results, that's an example of where the AMA really needs to advocate on our members and patients' behalf because that's a disaster for patient care if that happens as well. Okay. Uh, other areas we can look at is PCN needs, and we're going to be looking at those. So hopefully around our Schedule B metrics, which is screening and things like that, that we can ask the vendors to develop a common uh, method of doing this so that everybody across the province is able to enter data similarly and is actually able to get the results back on their data. Uh, also, the opioids work that is coming, this hasn't started yet, but we've asked them to make sure they keep connected to us so that we can develop tools in your EMR that help with the opioids work that we all have to do as part of the, one of the priority initiatives. Uh, one of the things I've picked up today is that we really need a better connection to the Specialty Care Alliance as well. So Duncan, the prenatal care, the uh, prenatal forum, that you were talking about. Uh, we need to have some exposure to that in this committee so that we can, uh, uh, we can make sure that people have access to that in their community EMRs. So, so things like that, some of the diagnostic imaging stuff that Rob has been talking about that also is, these are things that uh, we need to bring to light in this committee. So we, you know, it's a relatively new committee. We need to work on our connections with specialty care as well. So if you have input into how to do that, that would be great. Um, as I said, the gaps between Connect Care and community EMRs, uh, as well as how they coordinate together. So, how do you access information in Connect Care from the community? And do you have a context based launch like you do for NetCare? That will be something on there. Um, we have a use cases document that goes through a number of different things that you need to do if you're in the community uh, that you currently do through NetCare, perhaps, that you will continue to need to do, and some things that may be in the future, like e-referrals, for example. So looking at those. And as I mentioned, just trying to keep the, uh, provide some vendor coordination and ensure that they're up to date. And they can also up -to -date, update us on some of the things they're doing in other provinces. Uh, so we can begin to coordinate some of this work nationally as well. Because that's another complaint from the vendors is that Alberta and Saskatchewan are both trying to do the same thing, but they're doing it differently. 
So next, I'll talk about the Community Information Integration uh, Program. So this started out as a project, but is now developed into a program with several different parts to it. Uh, you may have heard of the Central Patient Attachment Registry previously, and that has been rolled into this Community Information Integration Project as well, so those are tied together. So CPAR now becomes one of the modules within CII. Uh, and the benefit of that is that this is now going to be an automated process so that nobody actually has to do anything to have the uh, CPAR submission automatically go up to the CPAR registry. Um, there, of course, will still be work to be done if there are conflicts that come back. So a patient is on more than one person's panel, there will still require some human intervention in those cases, of course. The second module there is about specialist consult reports. So this was an RF motion and a request. And I'm happy to say that we now have at least one clinic, thank you Scott Wilson, uh, live actually sending his consult reports from the community to NetCare and visible in NetCare for the rest of the community to use. Um, I'll show you timelines in a minute, but this will be available within the coming months to all of the big three uh, EMR vendors, so if you're a community specialist uh, that wants to send your consultation reports to NetCare, um, you can contact uh, Vic or myself and we can put you in touch with uh, the deployment team. Okay, Community Encounter Digest. This is the first attempt at pulling information out of a community-based EMR, um, starting with primary care. Uh, based on the Kaihai primary care data set and an extract of that. Uh, I tell you now that it won't be perfect, but it is a first shot at getting something out of an EMR and translating it into something clinically useful for uh, your patient's continuity. So if they're seen in uh, an emergency department or they're seen by another specialist, there will be information in there that they have seen you and what for and some of what did you do about it. And I'll show you the document in a minute. But that's, that's a, a first, first crack at that. And we're also looking at the scoping of this. So what else do we need to do to ensure that we have connect care rather than disconnect care? Uh, and Jane, I'm going to get lots of use out of that. Thank you again. <laughs> so one of the first things for value add is that we're going to use the CPAR registry and combine it with some feeds out of Alberta Health Services to deliver notifications of emergency visits and hospital admissions and discharges directly into your EMR. Uh, so hopefully this will allow for some continuity of care and I know many PCNs actually have people that they pay to manually do this. So certain not to take away anybody's job but we all know that there's lots of other places those people could be deployed if, uh, you know, if not needed in this area. Uh, probably the next thing that we're going to see is a standardized patient summary. So that would give the opportunity for a primary care physician to uh, review a patient summary, uh, hopefully you know, with the patient in some capacity, maybe as part of your complex care planning. And this patient summary, so problem, you know, problem list, medication list, family history, surgical history, past medical history, all that kind of stuff, with relevant notes attached, i.e. You know, hypertension, difficult to control, we've tried 
all these different medications we're investigating for secondary hypertension, something like that, attached. And that would be viewable in net care. And potentially, the way we develop it, it can uh, be put in connect care as well. So that is, uh, we're, we're just learning more about that opportunity. As well, care plans are on our future radar, as well as we've just started exploring with Dr. Wasilenko, including the goals of care designation. So not the, I want to lose 15 pounds, but the, you know, I'm an R1, M1, C1 kind of end of life uh, planning goals of care designation as well. So we're looking at those as a, as a real way to ensure that some of the gaps in the information system uh, that allow patients to fall through the cracks are going to be plugged. Some of the challenges around CPAR-CII are implementation planning and timelines. As you all know, there's tons of change going on, and these technology projects always take longer and are harder than we think they are because we treat them as technology projects and not care transformation projects. So we're going to be looking at what does it take to actually get this to roll out into a clinic? What do you need to do in terms of privacy impact assessments? You know, training your staff. How does it change how you have to think about sharing data? All these kinds of things. And uh, working with our partners to get through uh, those barriers as quickly and easily as we can for clinics. Key milestones are, um, so MicroQuest is available now for CII. CPAR for them is coming in, uh, very shortly in the fall. The TELUS uh, EMRs are expected to be available this fall, so in October, hopefully. QHR is expected to be available in approximately April of next year. Uh, the project will start doing uh, more than just exploratory clinics, probably in January, and we're hoping to launch the project fully in the April or May time frame. Uh, notifications were hopefully coming in April as well, and so that will time nicely and that when, when we're ready for the system to go live, uh, people will have more benefit and can begin to get those notifications as well. This is a, the Community Encounter Digest. So at the top, you can see the date, who they were seen by, what they were seen for, you know, the, the visit assessment, that sort of thing. Further down... I can't even see my own notes. You have a health history list. And again, this is not complete. This will only ever be the last year's worth of data. So that's why we have to work on the patient summary as well so that there's a more complete. Um, allergies are included, immunizations within, recorded within that year time frame, uh, and, and referrals. And so the way this will work is you, you will see a patient and it will automatically upload to CII and it will upload these data elements unless you mark it as confidential, in which case it will not go. Okay. And the only reporting of the confidential visits will be their number over the period of year. They won't know who they're on or any, anything like that. So you'll have control over, over that from that perspective. Uh, so th this will begin appearing in NetCare as we get clinics going live, and uh, that's the Community, information, community Encounter Digest. Uh, just for the community specialty crowd here, these are, um, thanks to Scott for these screenshots. In the top center there, you can see a button that says net, send to net care. So that's how 
dead simple this is for community specialists. It says send to net care, and then oops, unsend to net care. So as a community specialist, you have complete control over which consults you send to net care, and you can withdraw them from net care should the need arise if you sent them up and needed to make a change or somehow they ended up on the wrong patient or or uh, something like that. So that's just how um, simple we're trying to make this for everybody. Whether we'll succeed, we'll see. Let's talk a little bit about Connect Care. So probably all of you have heard about Connect Care by now. And as I said, Connect Care is the name of the care transformation program associated with the installation of the EPIC software uh, throughout Alberta Health Services. Now, the scope that has been decided by the ministry is that Connect Care will be available wherever AHS holds the legal record of care. So that means if you're in an AHS facility, you will be using Connect Care. If you're in a community facility that happens to use an AHS legal record of care now or is an AHS community facility, you will use Connect Care. Uh, if you are in a community setting currently short of the Department of Family Medicine clinics um, that does not use Connect Care now, you will not be allowed to use the full installation of Connect Care. Now, this is a this is a uh, ministry decision. Uh, we do not believe it's open to negotiation at this part. There is a ministerial order in place regarding this. Um, the ministerial order states that once AHS has completed its substantial rollout in its own backyard, then scope increase can be considered, but not until that time. Okay. And we'll get back to this in terms of what this means uh, for the AMA. So... If that's the case, then we have a big job figuring out how to bridge Connect Care to the community and making sure that all the pieces fit together. Uh, a couple of the places where this becomes really critical are uh, when you start talking about the fact that Epic has a physician portal product, as does NetCare. So how do these two things relate? And I'm just going to give you a heads up that when I'm talking about net care, net care in the future may not look the same as it does now. The principle that we're working on is all of the same information will be available and nothing, you know, we won't be taking away anything uh, that is available in net care currently, but it may or may not look the same as it does because it either you know either way whether you stay with the same vendor it needs upgrading if you choose to go a different path then that would look different as well but nonetheless that means that we need to ensure that we have the same ease of connection from the community into that net care connection and I know many of you that work in hospitals as well also rely on the information in net care to provide continuous patient care and to understand information that occurred outside of your particular facility or sometimes even within your facility, depending on what your resources are. Hey, uh, I also want to emphasize there are lots of opportunities provided by Connect Care. There are lots of interesting pieces around 
uh, creating a provincial messaging system and uh, you know e-referral and all those sorts of things that Connect Care potentially provides for us. And we are looking at those, but we're looking at ensuring we don't lose functionality first and then the enhancements later on. And I'm sure you'll have questions about Connect Care, and I'm happy to answer them later if I can. Okay. The, and we do have, for example, on the provider portal uh, committee, we do have an AMA member co-chairing that committee, so we do have representation and involvement with lots of this. And uh, as Mike mentioned yesterday, Vic and I were lucky enough to have the opportunity to go down to Verona, uh, Wisconsin, literally across the street from Cornfields, to visit the Epic campus for their annual user group meeting and to learn and explore about some of the possibilities and also the limitations of the Epic software. So we're actively exploring that on your behalf. And AHS was very supportive of us joining them in that venture. Uh, in terms of immediate developments, I think the last one I want to talk about is the Provincial Personal Health Portal. Now, Kim was going to speak at length about this, but uh, was unable to join us, so you can stay tuned for more about that. Uh, but suffice it to say, yet again, there are two products that need to be blended together. Epic has a product called MyChart, which provides uh, patient access type services. And the ministry has secured a solution which is provided by TELUS uh, that also provides information to patients. Now, the ministry and AHS are working very closely together to ensure that this doesn't look like two products to patients, that in the end, this only looks like one product, uh, but there, are, there is a lot of work to do to coordinate those two together. So you can stay tuned on that front as well. Okay, midterm developments. Uh, as you all probably know, AHS Connect Care will be deployed starting in November 2019 and taking approximately three years to roll out across the province if all goes according to plan. Uh, again, that's where AHS has the legal record of care. Uh, net care evolution. So not only do we need to tie in net care together with the EMRs and with Connect Care, but there are also enhancements that we need to make to that product so that there's more information available and that it has more capabilities to provide uh, informational continuity when we're caring for our patients. We also need to work on bi-directional exchange between community practices and Connect Care. So not only do we want um, community clinics to be able to contribute information to Connect Care, they are also going to be able to need to consume information from Connect Care as well. So we'll have to work on those connections. A referral process was touched on uh, today quite a bit already, but this is the you know the technolo technological piece we talked lots about. Uh, culture and picking up the phone and all of those sorts of things, uh, having the technology facilitated is, only, is one piece of that puzzle. But how are we going to do it? Again, there's e-referral in net care, there's e-referral capabilities in, in connect care. How do we turn that into one streamlined uh, system where not only can we track this, the process of referrals, but patients can also track the process of referrals so that they know that their referral is just waiting for scheduling and the specialist got it, or they know when their time is, or they can easily cancel it, or et cetera, et cetera. 
Something else that we're working on is virtual care. Um, so we've begun, we've been partnering with the CPSA around this, developing some hopefully forward-thinking policy around virtual care and telemedicine and how you incorporate this in. Uh, things like secure messaging, video visits, um, you know, there's apps already that you can take a picture and send it to a dermatologist. There's apps like Maple where you can... Uh, you know, pay 50 bucks and talk to a doctor, a Canadian doctor for Maple. Um, you know, all of these things will play a role. And also, uh, really, like I've been using secure messaging in my practice for the last six months or so to try and figure out some of the things. And it takes a surprising amount of thought as to how you're actually going to integrate that into your workflow that, you know, I've kind of been doing family practice the same basic way for the last couple of decades now. And so fitting these into your workflow actually takes more thought than I thought it would. Um, so how are you going to use it? How do you get patient consent? How do you, get the, how do you accommodate the technology? What's the workflow within your office? All these sorts of things. So we've got to start thinking about those, not to mention that it fundamentally changes how patients re relate to me in some ways. Uh, so when I'm composing a message, I have to write it in patient-friendly language. Uh, I can't write it in language that my nurse will understand and then translate to my patient, for example. You know, all those, all those sorts of things. Who do you notify that their lab results are normal? Because I can't yet notify everybody that their lab results are normal. Um, you know, how, how do you deal with all that kind of stuff? So that ties in with the enhanced patient access and engagement. I've already had patients come in saying, my Apple Watch tells me that there's something wrong. Uh, you know, I need to hold her monitor, right? That, that's already happening. Um, they're going to have increased access to their information. Uh, culture is changing towards increased patient engagement in their care. How does all that tie in with all this other stuff? And how do we make that work? And then analytics and data. So we're already seeing developments in this. We get HQCA reports, we get MD snapshots, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Analytics and data will become more and more and more part of what we do. So, and I hope when you see these things, you can see opportunities as well as challenges because there are definitely both in here. You know, if you can imagine the world where the patient is able to access all their information uh, uh, quickly, you know, some of the hassles that it would save, the, the Greg Price stories that it would save. Um, but there are also challenges, and so we need to examine them from both sides. In the longer term, Dr. Osler already stole some of this from, from her talk this morning, so it's good that the CMA is looking in the same directions as the AMA. But medical devices... The latest version of Apple Watch is uh, FDA certified as a single lead ECG. So things are getting smaller and smaller. They'll soon be implantable. You know, your insulin pump will uh, already send your blood sugars to your smartphone. You know, is your endocrinologist going to be able to look at that remotely and say, oh, things are getting off track. Let's change things a little bit. You know, that sort of thing. Big data and even more analytics. 
Okay, so um, Epic is already using machine learning to do predictive analytics, like trying to identify uh, which patients are at risk for sepsis and becoming septic um, before they would otherwise be identified. And this is already deployed in U.S. hospitals and is already being used to save lives by getting faster uh, sepsis treatment to these patients, getting them on antibiotics, things faster. So that's the positive side of big data and more analytics. As is proving competence, but some of us may see more challenges there in that you will be expected to use data to prove that you are a competent physician in the future. And so how does the AMA interact with you in that to help you navigate that process so that it's not um, onerous or intimidating or you know, frightening? Uh, precision medicine and genomics, I'm sure you've already seen, you know, they're looking at what gene patterns in people predict their response to medication. Uh, we will be expected to incorporate that type of information into our practices. So how, how does that work? And as I already said, the medical field will be patient-powered. So we will have patients that are more empowered and have more information, and they will have Dr. Google, and they will have... Uh, symptom checkers that provide diagnoses, and they will have all of these things. And what's our role as a physician in this developing world, and how does the AMA uh, play a part there? So, and that's just a few of them. So, key questions. So, given what's coming, how do we prepare? Are there things we need to do differently today in order to get ready for tomorrow? How is the AMA best positioned? What should our strategic priorities be? What are the implications for the physicians and the profession? What about implications for organized medicine? What are the AMA's roles and responsibilities? And who do we need to partner with to accomplish all of these things? You know, we already partner with Alberta Health, Alberta Health Services, CPSA, the CMA, uh, the CMPA, etc. patient organizations, you know, the future of medicine is one of partnerships, so how do we prepare for that? And how do we deal with all the related opportunities and challenges that are coming? So what are our next steps before I open the mic to you guys? So we need to continue to build awareness and knowledge around these efforts, both within the AMA and external to the AMA, and we need to assess our strategic opportunities. One of the things that we need to assess as an organization is what is our strategic positioning regarding Connect Care and the community. Currently, the AMA does not have a strategic position uh, about this, uh, but that's because we haven't developed one. You know, should the AMA support Connect Care through the entire province, including the community? Should the AMA not support that? Should the AMA not have a position? but that needs to be a determined decision and not just the default position. So that's one of the things you'll hear more on. And uh, as you know, the environment continues to change so quickly that we need to be, uh, keep advancing physician and patient interests wherever we see opportunities, and these sometimes come along uh, just out of the blue, and we need to be ready to respond and react to them. Thanks again for tuning in to Alberta Doctors Digest, brought to you by the Alberta Medical Association. This has been just one of the many stories from the current issue of our online publication. 
You can read the entire publication at add.albertadoctors.org. See you next time.